0: Starwalker Studios presents Game Master's Journey, a podcast all about tabletop role-playing games from the perspective of the captain's chair. Greetings gamer and welcome to Game Master's Journey, a podcast all about tabletop role-playing games from the perspective of the captain's chair. I'm your host, Lex Starwalker. Today, I'll give my thoughts on a recent article about the future of Dungeons & Dragons. So join me on the journey. Together, we can become game masters truly worthy of the title. Hello listener and fellow GM and OR player. Welcome to episode 24 of Game Master's Journey. So glad that you join me today. I just the other day read this really informative and interesting article over on Forbes about the future of Dungeons and Dragons. So this was an article written by David Ewalt. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. And he interviewed Nathan Stewart, who is the brand director for Dungeons and Dragons over at Wizards of the Coast. And I will have a link to this article in the show notes at starwalkerstudios.com. Now, I hate to uh, send you over to Forbes because it's a horrible website. <laughs> It's probably the most spammy website I've ever been to. So be warned, if you go over there, you will be inundated with ads and pop-ups and videos and all kinds of stuff. So so make sure you got your ad blocking software running <laughs> before you head over there. This is a really good article and I'm not going to cover all of it today. I'm just going to be focusing on the stuff relevant to D&D, the RPG, because again, this uh, gentleman, Nathan Stewart, is the brand director for Dungeons and Dragons, which includes things beyond the tabletop RPG. So they talk a bit about video games and and other D&D products, and I'm not going to go into that today. So first, he's asked, how has 5th Edition D&D been selling? He doesn't give us concrete answers. He says because Hasbro is a publicly traded company, they can't give exact details from Wizards Business. I'm not sure I understand that. (laughs) I thought because it's publicly traded, details like that are available. So maybe you have to wait for their quarterly report. Um, But he says, I will tell you that we don't even have a full year of sales of fifth edition yet. And we believe very strongly that this will finish out on the current trajectory to be the best launch we've ever had, both in terms of dollars and in terms of units. So that's pretty cool. Not really a surprise to me, but I have heard from some other people online that are surprised and even doubting that. 5th edition is going to do better than 3rd did, but sounds like it is. The next question that Mr. Ewald asks is, have you succeeded in attracting fans of older editions of the game who have resisted upgrading until now? Are people jumping in from, say, 2nd edition to 5th? And so Mr. Stewart replies that from an anecdotal point, he says it feels like more people who were holdouts on 1st and 2nd edition have come in than I would have guessed. But from our research and polling, I can tell you that it's pretty evenly split amongst all editions. And most of them say that it feels like their edition. So that goal was 100% met, to make players of all editions feel welcome and feel like that they recognize this as their D&D. I'm hearing a lot of stories of people taking their long-running second edition campaigns and coming over to the new edition, and I think that's pretty telling. And it's really funny that he says this because just yesterday I saw someone in Google Plus who said exactly that, that he had taken a second edition campaign and moved it over to fifth. So that, that's definitely happening. Next, he's asked, what about new players? How many people are choosing 5th edition to dive into the game for the first time? And Stuart says, I don't know that we've dug into that, but I will say that we did look into how long 5th edition customers have been playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it's pretty evenly split between people who've been playing it forever, people who've been playing it 16 to 25 years, 6 to 15 years, and 5 years or less. The next question, earlier this month, you released Princes of the Apocalypse, the first adventure in the new Elemental Evil storyline. How many of these storylines and adventures do you plan to release a year? And this is where it really gets interesting and and we get into the things I really wanted to talk about today. So Stuart says, the number of stories that we come out with a year is really dictated by our fans and by our partners. We're committed to telling really high-quality stories. We're committed to expanding the interaction with the Forgotten Realms and diving deep and getting people to really have fun with it. So right now, we're on this one to two main stories per year cadence. But that number is really us working, listening to our fans, seeing how much they want to consume, seeing how much our partners need to keep their fan bases really highly engaged and having fun. So right now, it's two stories a year that might go down or up, depending on what the fan base wants. Now that we're seeing more homebrew campaigns get started, maybe that number goes down to one big story a year. You just want to find the right balance, keeping the quality high and making sure we're paying off that goal of everybody in the brand being able to experience a story no matter which game type you've picked to play. So that's really cool. So, so far we've had the Tyranny of Dragons storyline and we just now are seeing the Elemental Evil storyline starting up. Right now, they're saying one to two of those a year. And it sounds like from this, there's a chance that that could go down to one a year. But it doesn't really sound like, at least right now, that they're thinking of doing more than two a year. The next question, you've also been using adventure books to introduce new rules and races. Are there plans for new source books beyond the Core 3, stuff like a Player's Handbook 2, or are you just concentrating on stories right now? And Stuart says, we are story, story, story. The story drives everything. The need for new rules, the new races, new classes is just based on what's going to really make this adventure, this story, this kind of theme happen. So, yeah, you're going to continue to see that. We're not interested in putting out more books for book's sake. Thank you. If we need to deliver rules to the player audience, there is a number of ways for us to do that. But it's all going to be about how is it going to make the entertainment better? How is it making the story more fun? Sometimes you just see a real need. I think that the genasi are a great example. It'd be kind of weird to do elemental evil and not have the genasi there. So there's some obvious choices like that. A class would be another example. Mike Merles and I always like to talk about if we do a pirate adventure and add a seafaring class and swashbuckler this and that. So it's all going to be based on what is the theme, and that's really based on what the players are telling us they want and what we see through sales, that and through the feedback that we're getting. I wouldn't be surprised if we do some books here and there that pick up things that the fan base wants in between stories because of the feedback we're hearing. But by and large, everything we're delivering is supporting that annual story. And there are zero plans for a player's handbook to any time on the horizon. So this is really cool. And this is one of the things I really wanted to talk about today. And I am a huge fan of this philosophy way back in the show, I talked about how I felt like I got burned because when third edition came out, I bought all these third edition books and then 3.5 came out and I bought all these 3.5 books and then I took a few games off or a few years off gaming and I come back and now there's fourth edition with a shit ton of fourth edition books. Now, thankfully I did not drink the fourth edition Kool-Aid and I did not buy into that, which I'm really glad I didn't, but still I felt then, like, really, you know, I have all these books, and now I need to get all these other books, and, you know, Pathfinder is is the same thing. So, I'm really glad to see that that is not part of the design philosophy for 5th edition, that we're not going to see splat books everywhere. We're not going to see the complete barbarian book, and the complete ranger book, and the complete elf book, and the complete halfling book, and all that stuff which is awesome because not only is that a lot of books that you need to worry about deciding if you want to get them or not, but you know, all these books tend to have, you know, more spells and more feats and more abilities and all this stuff. And it just, the the system just gets bloated and unwieldy and cumbersome and it just gets ridiculous. And I like this idea of having a story for instance, we we saw Tyranny of Dragons. We had Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, which were two adventure books, basically a campaign that takes you all the way to 16th level. And, you know, that's higher level than most of us get in our campaigns, I think. So everything you need right there for a campaign. And then we saw some magic items in there in addition to what's in the DMG for the campaign. I don't think we really saw any spells. Um, we did see some creatures and monsters in that campaign that that were in the the monster manual which was cool. And I have not gotten a hold of Princes of the Apocalypse yet, but from what I've read about it, there's even more of that stuff in Princes of the, the Apocalypse. And and in fact, you can get the new races and the new spells for free from the Player's Companion. It's a free PDF that you get on Wizards' website. So you don't even have to pay money to get access to these new races and these new spells, which is really awesome. Also, just I think yesterday or the day before, for the Adventurers League, they released some new bonds for the Mole Master region and some new backgrounds and that's free as well a free pdf that you can get which which is awesome so not only are we not seeing nearly as much systems bloat so far as as we've seen in previous editions but a lot of the stuff that is coming out is free and it's part of a theme so you know we're seeing lots of elemental stuff because of the elemental evil and i like that and i like that you know hey if you're going to do princes of the apocalypse, here are some additional backgrounds and races and spells that really fit with the theme of this campaign that you can use, as opposed to just a book of new feats with all this random stuff in it. So I really dig that. And it will be nice because presumably each of these campaigns that they do are going to be in a different area of the Forgotten Realms. And so even if you don't want to do that campaign, you can get that material as far as the mechanics and rule material and races and stuff like that for that area of the realms if you want to tell your own story in that part of the realms. So that's pretty cool stuff. So if you want to do something near Mole Master, you know, here's some backgrounds for that area and it's free, which is even more awesome. Now, of course, another thing that people wonder about, and this is the next question I want to talk about, is any plans to tell stories that take place outside of the Forgotten Realms? And Stuart says, well, it depends on what you mean by that, right? Because you've already seen some stuff. For instance, they they released some stuff on Eberron. If you're talking about us diving deep and taking a focus like what we've done with Tyranny of Dragons... We're going to stay in the Forgotten Realms for the foreseeable future. It's big. It's huge. It's our most fleshed out setting or world. It's got the most to explore. We can do everything in the realms we want to in the foreseeable future. Now, with that being said, we recognize that a lot of fans love other settings, so we will be doing things to give those guys tools to support that in their own way but we're going to have long cycles, and so when we go all in on Greyhawk or Dragonlance or Spelljammer, that's going to be a while. We'll support that stuff, we'll give players the tools to do things that they want to do, but the main focus will be on the Forgotten Realms for a long time. I posted about this on on Google+, and that's the one thing (laughs) that people really seem to want to talk about out out of all this stuff is they, they really zero in. On the Forgotten Realms. And, you know, for every person out there who loves the Forgotten Realms, you'll find someone else who can't stand it. And a lot of people, at least that I've heard from, are disappointed with this focus on the Realms. And I have some thoughts about that. I just recently did an episode on kitchen sink settings, which Forgotten Realms is one. And if you listen to that episode, you know that I am personally not a big fan of the Realms. I'm not a big fan of kitchen sink settings. I prefer just about anything over a kitchen sink setting. However, from a business and strategic point of view, and as far as what's best for D&D, the game, and the brand, I completely agree with the decision to focus on the realms, and it's, I think, a no-brainer because it's the kitchen sink setting. You know, like Stuart just said here, you know, they can do anything they want to in the Forgotten Realms, or at least anything that they're going to want to do in the near future. If you want to do pirates, you can do that. If you want to do more of a horror thing, you can do that. If you want to do high fantasy, you can do that. If you want to do whatever, you know, you can find a place in the Forgotten Realms where you can make it work. And so I think it's a good decision for that reason. You know, if they chose Eberron, well, you can't do just anything in Eberron. And, you know, most people can find, I think, some part of the realms that they kind of can dig, you know. But something like Eberron or Spelljammer or Ravenloft that are more focused and have more of a coherent theme to them, you know, yeah, some people are going to love that. But there's going to be people who don't there are going to be people that just don't dig Eberron. You know, I'm not a huge fan of it personally. There are going to be people who don't like horror, so they don't want to do Ravenloft. There are going to be people who don't like spell jamming, so they're not going to want to do Spelljammer. So again, for all the people that would really dig that particular setting, there are going to probably be more people that don't particularly care for that setting and, you know, yeah, there are people that don't like Forgotten Realms, but Forgotten Realms just by its nature is more eclectic. So even if you're not a huge fan of it, you can still find an area that's like, OK, this will work. Right. And I think even more importantly for DD the game and the brand is that unlike these other settings, The Forgotten Realms are very widely known and recognized outside of circles of people who play D&D, the tabletop role-playing game, due to games like the Baldur's Gate games and the Neverwinter MMO and the other Neverwinter games, Lords of Waterdeep, the board game, the Dritz books. You know, there are people out there who have never played D&D, have never played an RPG, but they know the Forgotten Realms. They know what that is. Uh, maybe they played Baldur's Gate or maybe they read some of the Dritz books or, or whatever. So obviously you want to leverage that as a business to try to bring more people into the hobby, try to bring more people into the game. And so you might have someone who read the Dritz books and they see d and and they flip through it and they're like, oh, you know, this is Forgotten Realms stuff. I recognize this and maybe they'll they'll give it a shot. And for all of us even if we hate the Forgotten Realms, I think we can all agree that having more players in the hobby is a good thing. I personally would never want to see role playing become quote-unquote mainstream <laughs> because that's never a good thing, but beyond that or other than that, I think more people in the hobby is is a good thing. You know, it makes it easier to find people to sit at your table and easier to find games to play in And the other thing that I like about the Forgotten Realms as far as the default setting is because it is so generic, it's really easy to take stuff and put it somewhere else. You know, I'm running the Tyranny of Dragons campaign and it would be really easy to take that campaign and plop it down into another world it would be super easy to do that. It'd be easy, well, it'd be ridiculously easy to put it on crin, but you could put it pretty much anywhere and it would be really easy to put it in your own homebrew world. And I don't know, you know, how it is across the world or how it is these days, but it only seemed, you know, when I first got into role-playing and, and until recently, it only seemed that most people played in their own worlds anyway, especially when it came to D&D. You know, most people I encountered were playing in the GM's own homebrewed campaign world. So I've actually, in my role playing, known very few people that played in any published setting. So, you know, if you're going to have things have... A default setting and then you're going to take some of that and put it in your own world it's nice that that default setting is really generic you know you might have a bit more problems if the default setting was eberron with you know it's steampunk magic whatever it is you know and and your world is high fantasy it might be a little bit harder to move some of that stuff over because maybe you don't have any steampunky stuff in your world and so that stuff isn't going to work and you need to to rework it And again, I I like that there's variety in the realms, so all of the campaigns that they do don't have to all be the same subgenre of fantasy necessarily. They don't all have to have the same themes and the same flavors to them. You know, they could do the pirate thing or they could do something more out there, which would be cool. So I agree with people who say, oh, I, I don't care for the realms and I wish you know, for my own personal benefit that they would have picked, you know, setting X, Y, or Z. However, from kind of a wider perspective, I do think that that was the smartest decision for them to make. I'm not sure what, what I would have picked if I, if I picked a setting, I guess I would have picked a brand new setting (laughs) that wasn't kitchen sink because um, I I like the other settings, but I don't like any of them so much that I would want that to be the core D&D setting Um, So I guess if it were up to me, I would have said, hey, come up with a brand new setting that isn't as kitchen sink as the Forgotten Realms. It doesn't have so much history behind it. Um, Start with something brand new. So that would have been me. But uh, I'm making my own world for D&D anyway. So (laughs) and I will probably steal some things from from the Forgotten Realms that I like just because, you know, why not? It's less work I have to do. So, again, there is more. In this article that I'm not talking about, uh, he goes a bit into digital tools for the game, which I'm I'm not going to get into because honestly, I really don't care. I use Roll20 when I play online and that's more than sufficient for my needs. I don't feel any need to have digital versions of the game on Roll20 or on some other virtual tabletop, although it would be nice to have official PDFs of the books. I don't know if I would personally get them, but it would be nice to be able to get an official PDF of any of the D&D books to have on your tablet or your computer or whatever because it is nice to have them if only for the ability to search within them and to have things hyperlinked, especially when you're playing online or you're using a computer. It can be super convenient to have PDFs of the books. So that would be cool. But beyond that, I don't really care about, you know, having a digital character creator. Thank God we don't need that for fifth edition. (laughs) Unlike Pathfinder, you kind of almost needed something like that to kind of make it easier, especially if you're using all the source material available. But character creation isn't that involved in fifth edition. And so I don't personally feel a need for that. There's also discussion, like I said, about some of the other D&D brand stuff like video games and miniatures and stuff like that. But I'm not going to go into that either. So definitely, you know, if you're interested in this and and you want to see more about those other topics I didn't go into, you can uh, find the link in the show notes at starwalkerstudios.com and go check out the full article. So I'm really curious to hear what you think about all this. Send me your comments, gamemastersjourney at gmail.com. What do you think about the success of of D&D? And do you feel that Wizards did realize their goal of making an edition that brings everyone together, and that everyone can feel like this is, you know, my version of D and D, and this reminds me of the things I like from my favorite version. And uh, I'd love to hear if you feel that way, and if you do, what your favorite version was, and what do you think about the release schedule and the fact that we're not going to have splat books coming out every month. And the fact that any additional products that do come out as far as new rules or options or things like that are going to be tied to whatever the current campaign is, whatever the theme of the current story is. How do you feel about that? Do you think that that's pretty cool? Or would you rather just see splat books and things like that and see books dedicated to all the different races and all the different classes and things like that? Now, personally, what I really want to see the most, and I've said this before on the show, is I want more backgrounds and I want more archetype options, especially domains for clerics. And that's something we haven't seen yet. We didn't get any new backgrounds or domains or anything like that with Tyranny of Dragons. We didn't get any for Princes of the Apocalypse or Elemental Evil, other than the few backgrounds that they came up with for Mole Master for the Adventure League. I mean, I'm assuming those are quote unquote official, but I don't know for sure that they are. So I don't know. You know, that's something I would like to see now. Hopefully we will see that in the future, you know, and they'll do some some new storyline and say, hey, here's some backgrounds to go with this and here's some new cleric domains to go with this. So that would be my only complaint about it is if we didn't see those things. And then I would say, well, hey, I'd love to see a book that's got more backgrounds and, and has more Archetypes for the different classes, you know. I I think it's only the fighter that actually calls them archetypes, but but that's what I call them, just for lack of a better word. But all of the kind of the subclasses. So you know, I'd like to see more specializations for wizards, and and that's something that really surprised me with the elemental evil that we didn't see the elemental wizards. You know like the fire mage and the water mage and stuff like that like we had in previous editions that would have been cool to have but maybe you know maybe we'll see more products in this line i don't know or maybe a downloadable pdf for free you know with specialist wizards of the elements that would be cool and elemental domains for clerics would have been cool so yeah i would like to see more of that kind of stuff in the future but as far as tying it all in with a theme and a story that's the current, you know, adventure that they're releasing, I think that's really cool. But I'd like to hear what you think, if, if you dig that or or not, and why. And finally, you know, what are your thoughts about the realms? You know, are, are you okay with that being the core setting? And if not, what do you think should have been the core setting? And if you think it's something other than the realms, I'd like to hear your kind of your reasoning and your support for that as far as, you know, well, what about people that don't like that setting? I'm curious what people think. I think one thing that that would be cool, I mean, I totally get what they're planning for the near future, which is sticking with the realms and really working with that. But I'd love to see in the future that they do, you know, the yearly story or the twice-a-year story, do one of those set on one of the other worlds. So maybe they do a Dark Sun one, right? and so we get a campaign set in Dark Sun and we get lots of, you know, new Dark Sun stuff like Psionics and Thrycreen and and stuff like that. Like that would be super cool and that'd be a, a fun thing to do. Now I think that they would want to do that, you know, once in a while. You wouldn't want to have a bunch of those in a row. But, you know, maybe they do three or four of these, you know, Forgotten Realms storylines and then they do Dark Sun and then they do a few more Forgotten Realms storylines and then they do Eberron ravenloft or or something like that that would be really fun or just give us more stuff online in pdfs kind of like what they did with eberron you know here's how ravenloft would work in fifth edition so yeah interesting stuff really interesting article Well, that's going to wrap up episode 24 of Game Master's Journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. And you can reach me at GameMastersJourney at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this article, uh, what you think about where things are going with 5th edition. I'd love to hear your thoughts about anything Game Master related. You can also find me on Google+. Plus. Just search for Lex Starwalker. And you can follow me on Twitter at Lex Starwalker. Visit the show notes at starwalkerstudios.com. And there you can find a link to our Google Plus community. We'd love to, to have you. Uh, I definitely post things like this that I find there. So it's a good place to kind of keep up on what's going on in gaming and what's going on with the podcast if you enjoy game master's journey and you'd like to help us out a great way that you can do so is if you use itunes head on over to game master's journey on itunes and leave us a review i'd really appreciate it i will personally thank you on the show if you leave a five-star review and i will have a link directly to our page on itunes in the show notes at starwalkerstudios.com and another great way that you can support the show is to test drive Audible books with a free 30-day trial courtesy of Game Master's Journey. And you can find a link to that in the show notes. You get a free book that you can enjoy for your free trial. One that I highly recommend is Leviathan Wakes by James S.A. Corey. It's the first book in the Expanse series, which is a space opera series that totally kicks ass and is soon going to be a television show on the Sci-Fi Channel. Some actual sci-fi on the Sci-Fi Channel. What do you know? So uh, I'm actually reading that book for the second time now, and uh, getting ready for the. I think the fourth book is coming out in paperback in May, and then the fifth book is coming out hardback in June. So I'm going through them all again, getting ready for that. I'm really excited. James S.A. Corey is actually the pen name for two authors who uh, work with George R.R. Martin and one or both of them i'm not sure which i follow them on twitter is a DD player and uh their their twitter account yesterday was was talking about dnd and and looking to to get some dnd going on so that is pretty cool so once again i want to thank you for listening to game master's journey and coming along with me on my journey as a game master until next time game on This has been a Starwalker Studios production. Your source for quality gaming and hobby podcasts. This episode's music provided by Cloudwalker, Renfield, Boy, and Ish. Please see the show notes for more details at starwalkerstudios.com slash Journey.